This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about risotto. Yes! Thanks to a recent listener request. Mm-hmm. Hey, Emerald, your risotto looked amazing. We're going to read... Uh, your listener mail at the end, but yeah. um, also she used to work at this restaurant in New York that had sixteen types of risotto, oh, and that sounds amazing too. Oh, that sounds like heaven! Oh my goodness, it does. And another Seinfeld reference, Lauren. <laughs> Here I go. Um, the first time I ever heard of risotto was in. There's an episode where one of George's girlfriends, and I've always wondered how they all have a different person they're dating every week um she <laughs> enjoys a plate of risotto more than sex with him or that's what's sort of implied by her reaction to the risotto mm-hmm. and her reaction to the sex um and so when I had it I remember again I grew up in a small town so risotto wasn't to be found but I uh-huh. it, eventually this small Italian restaurant opened opened up on the square and I went there and they had the risotto and I was like, oh, it's going to be transcendent. <laughs> and it was, it was good. It was good. I'm sure, no offense to that restaurant, but it wasn't like It maybe tier. wasn't the most transcendent. Yeah. 
Yes. And also in that episode, um, Elaine describes a similar experience with lobster bisque. And I did the same thing with lobster bisque where I thought I'm going to have this sort of very intense experience with lobster bisque. But guess where I got it from? Red lobster. (laughs) So (laughs) also perhaps not (laughs) the bar I should be uh, trying to meet. But um, I, I super... I've only had risotto maybe three or four times in my life, and I super have a craving for it now so, so, so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was um, <laughs> this was uh, an episode where I not just got a craving for the food, but I al- it also really made me want to cook. Um, so, yeah, yeah because um, I, I, am, I am a sucker for risotto. It's one of the things that I will frequently order if it is on a menu— um, and uh, my old roommate Andrew and I used to make some excellent pots of risotto at home. Um, uh, out of oh, I really need a Dutch oven. That's my like number one quarantine uh, regret is that I've I've never personally <laughs> owned a big old Dutch oven, and they are heckin' expensive. Um, I've just been lucky to live with people who have owned them for, gosh, like ten years now, and I'm like, dang it, I need to buy this very expensive piece of cooking equipment that I have just been leaning irresponsibly on others to own. And now, now it all comes back, Lauren. Alas, alack. (laughs) I have only myself to blame. So, oh, you make your risotto in a Dutch oven. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I like the, uh, I like the fact that it's it's, it's enameled um, and also that that good heavy cast iron is great for, um, for, transferring heat pretty evenly. So, yeah, that's my preferred method. Oh. Interesting. On the I stove I do not have a Dutch oven. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just threw my hands up as though you were like, get back. <laughs> as, though I, right, as though I pointed like an intellectual gun at you. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it was very intense. I appreciate it. I too, I don't have a Dutch oven either. And I frequently have kind of that back in my mind thought of, I should get one of those one day. And I've just never done it. So we're in the same boat when it comes to that. (sighs) All right. All right. It's something for both of us to work on. That's great. It's true. Goals. But let's get to our question. Yeah. Risotto. What is it? Well, uh, risotto is a sort of creamy textured short grain rice stew in which pretty much all of the liquid has been absorbed by the rice. Or, or, or stew might imply too long of a cooking time. Um, a risotto is a creamy textured short grain rice dish wherein the rice is cooked in flavor instead of water. Ooh, cooked in flavor. Cooked in flavor. Um, yeah, okay. As with many things, understanding how to make risotto will help us understand what it is. So... Let's start with that rice. And I uh, I kind of harped on short grain rice there because uh, d- different kinds of rice contain differing amounts of two types of starches, uh, amylose and amylopectin. And you might remember these from our glutinous rice episode. Uh, amylose is a starch that gets puffy and fluffy when it's cooked, and amylopectin is a starch that picks up a lot of water and gets sort of a ooey and gluey when it's cooked. And many longer grain rices are higher in amylose, and many shorter grain rices are higher in amylopectin. So most risotto rices are like a short to medium kind of grain. 
And uh, that, that amylopectin is critical for creating the creaminess of a risotto. And three specific varietals of rice are traditional in making it. Arborio, Carnaroli, and uh, Violone Nano. Uh, yes, these are all varietals developed in Italy. Risotto is Italian. And there are other hybrid types of rice grown in other places these days um, that are that are good for risotto. But but those are those are the basics. Violone Nano um, has the most amylase. Arborio has the most amylopectin. And uh, Carnaroli is kind of in the middle, making Carnaroli, um, by many accounts, the best traditional rice type for making risotto, as it both lends a kind of ooey creaminess to the finished product and also stays pretty toothsome. Um, Some call it the king or the caviar of risotto rice. Yeah. Um, Violone Nano is less creamy. Arborio can get a little bit mushy. Um, But, you know, still, depending on what you're going for and what you've got available, totally, totally doable. Um, Mm -hmm. But how do those textures happen? Ooh. Well, uh, when you cook risotto, you start with uh, oil or butter or both in a pan, maybe with some aromatic vegetation in there for flavor, then add rice and some kind or multiple kinds of flavorful liquid, usually broth, um, sometimes some wine or juice in there. And now um, on, on the surface of a grain of white rice, which has been processed to remove the outer bran, you're, you're going to have some dusty starches on the outside of that grain, yeah? Um, and those will wash off in the cooking liquid. Meanwhile, the starches in the rice gobble up liquid and the rice expands as it cooks, and those starches that washed off also absorb liquid, creating a thick sauce around the rice grains. And this is why you never want to rinse rice for risotto before you cook it. Okay. Okay. So, um, you cook the rice until the liquid has been absorbed, leaving you with a saucy pot of rice, uh, which you can then further season or gussy up with a cream and or cheese and or any number of mix-ins or toppings from herbs to cooked vegetables to cooked meat. Or you can cook some of those things uh, right right in there along with the rice. That's sort of beside the point right now. Because, um, yeah, the, the, the texture of the rice and how you cook it are going to determine the rice's final texture. And that is, this is a rice dish. The the final texture is really key in a risotto. And regarding that texture, more amylase and less total exposure to heat both lead to stiffer, more al dente final textures. Whereas more amylopectin and more total exposure to heat will lead to softer or or even uh, gooey final textures. And most people will tell you that al dente is what you're looking for in a risotto, that the ultimate risotto is toothsome but has this lovely, thick, creamy textured sauce from all of that starch, helped out by whatever fats you've added to the pot. And there are some opinions about the best way or ways to cook risotto to achieve this. Um, Again, it depends on both of those factors, that heat and the type of rice you're using. Um... A lot of recipes uh, argue about stirring, whether you need to stir it constantly, whether you shouldn't stir it basically at all. Uh, and the act of stirring, the thing is, it doesn't matter that much in itself because you're you're not really breaking starches off of the grains of rice by stirring. Um, they, they, they wash right off of the surface of the rice. Uh, so you're only going to add more starch to the to the to the pot by stirring if the rice is like well cooked and you're breaking the rice up. Uh, Stirring a lot will lower the temperature in the pot, and so that can either be helpful or lead to you accidentally overcooking it, 
or be totally neutral, uh, depending on how high you turn up the heat and what kind of pan you're using. Again, it's the total heat, not the stirring. Um, Stirring can also help prevent um, the bottom of the risotto from burning and the top from undercooking, depending on those same factors, though. Also, another thing that recipes love to argue about is um, when and how to add the liquid, like all at once or in small doses. And again, it, it just depends on the, the heat and the type of rice. Oh, oh man. This is making me nervous. I, <laughs> people remember in, my, in our rice episode, I, I shared how I, I basically cannot cook rice and I don't know why or how or what's going wrong. And it's a joke. It's a running joke among my friends that I just can't figure it out. It's pancakes and rice, apparently, <laughs> out of my wheelhouse. Um, hearing all of this, my heart's having some palpitations. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it depends on so many factors, and that's part of why it can be really difficult to get it right, especially if you're doing it on the stovetop, um, and and especially if you're just not uh, familiar with the with the physics and the chemistry of the specific type of rice that you're using, like which kinds of starch molecules it has in there and um and what what they're what they're doing what they're so up to So my I took a lot of physics Lauren <laughs> and it's not helping me out with this rice question <laughs> I need to go back to the basics okay get out my old physics books <laughs> do some calculations <laughs> <laughs> um I I can I can help you troubleshoot with a specific type of rice. But okay. unfor- unfortunately there's no like like cure all for like how to just do it good. I think I have a curse on me honestly. I think <laughs> I have a very specific curse. That is a very specific curse. And it's that you cannot make rice and I actually think I know who did it. So Oh heck. That guy. Oh yeah. Well, we got in a big fight about rice oh. and how to cook it. Um, when I was young, and uh, I think it, it was him for sure. Well, so heck, do you have any uh, rice curse cures? Um, I, that's like a separate category of knowledge that I can tap into, but um, I'll, <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you. Um, meanwhile, in terms of risotto, uh, my very favorite food writer, J. Kenji Lopez Alt did a write-up about risotto over on Serious Eats, including the results of a few casual experiments. And um, pretty much as always, I, I recommend checking that out. Um, his his very best version of, of risotto has you cook the rice with like 80% of your cooking liquid on low heat in a shallow pan with a cover, stirring once, um, uh, like halfway through, and, and then finishing on higher heat with the remaining liquid to um, to thin the sauce out to taste. And it also has you rinse the rice, which I know, I said earlier, rinsing the rice is bad. Um, but but you um, you use the cooking liquid as your rice rinsing liquid. So all that good starchiness will get added back in as you add the cooking liquid. Um, and it also means that you can toast the rice at the beginning of cooking, adding like good toasty flavors in without losing any of that good creamy sauciness. Ah, yeah, very clever. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, like the specific qualities of the dish that you wind up with are going to depend so much on what you add to it. I mean, you know, super basic. It's it's a it's a stewy rice dish, a creamy stewy rice dish. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it, it's going to be creamy and kind of chewy and and rich and comforting and so carby and flavored with 
whatever you choose to add in there. Ah, oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. That sounds so good. Um, well, what about the nutrition? I okay again it depends on what you add but generally uh, risotto is not a health food um it's it's mostly white rice and broth uh when you get down to it so it tends to be pretty heavy on the carbs and fat and sort of light on protein and uh veg so like it'll fill you up real good um but it's best paired with um plenty of vegetables mixed in um and a little bit of extra protein to help keep you going yes um and it's hard to come by many numbers when it comes to risotto, but Italy is Europe's top producer of rice, and pretty much every region in Italy has a specific type of risotto that they have specialized. Um, yes, absolutely. And we're going to talk about some of those. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! Roller coaster! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here. Right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles. Ready for next day installation. And all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. As with almost everything we talk about, the origin of risotto is a bit murky. Mm-hmm. Uh, difficult to find exact sources for. Um, you can check out our rice episode for more history on rice specifically. This is also the episode that almost broke my brain, and I know joke <laughs> had a nightmare about it a couple nights ago. Oh my gosh! Was, was it because still... of this risotto episode, or I think yeah, oh, I think it brought oh, back some memories. Okay, and I had a nightmare that I was still trying to understand rice, <laughs> and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> 
So you can go and check out uh, me trying to understand rice in that episode. And we also have done a glutinous rice episode. But when it comes to the rice that eventually made its way to Italy for risotto, it probably originated in China, where rice was domesticated over 8,000 years ago. So yeah, pretty old. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the question of how rice made it to Italy, historians think it could have been introduced through multiple ways at different times, but there isn't documentation to confirm that. It's sort of just, it would make sense based on other things. But Mm -hmm. the first documented case of rice cultivation in Italy didn't crop up until 1468 CE, related to the Spanish presence in the Kingdom of Naples due to the ties between the Duke of Milan and the King of Naples. But it could have been there much earlier. The Arabs might have introduced the rice to Italy in the Middle Ages when they occupied Sicily during the 10th century, and that would make sense because they had rice. Mm -hmm. Researchers think Venetian traders might have also imported rice. Also makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, The rice adapted well, and production of cells went up, and it eventually became a staple in certain parts of Italy. And one of those places was Milan, a city already known for saffron. Oh, saffron episode in the future. Oh, yeah, maybe soon. That's, I, yeah... It has been on our shortlist for Mm -hmm. for a while, and so many interesting facts kept popping up about it when I was researching this, and I had to just shut it down. (laughs) Not now, not now. Um, But briefly, saffron came to Italy from Spain, or perhaps by those same Arab conquerors. Another popular legend claims it might have been smuggled into the country by a Dominican monk. And I have to say, a lot of smuggling are legends of smuggling in the story of Risotto. So, there you go. Monks began growing rice in the Piedmont region in the 14th century, the Piedmont region of Italy. A 1475 letter written by the Duke of Milan at the time came with the descriptions of the rice fields in that area. Up until 1839, the rice grown in Italy was probably almost exclusively a variety known as homegrown or nostrale. And this was a species that was vulnerable to a fungal disease called rice blast. Rice blast. That does not sound good. No. This changed when a monk in the Philippines snuck a handful of Japonica varieties of rice back to Italy. Or again, so the legend goes. It's mentioned in a couple of places, but hard to say. In either case of how these different varieties got there, um, it eventually led to the development of new hybrids, including the short-grained Carnaroli and Orborio, which are great options when it comes to risotto, as Lauren said at the top. In 1888, rice varieties were imported from Japan, China, and India, leading to more hybrids and more variety. The first risotto recipe started appearing in the 1800s, which contradicts a very popular legend about the dish that goes back to 1574 involving a well-known glassmaker, Valerio of Flanders. And the story goes that Valerio's son-in-law and also was his assistant, this guy loved saffron so much, people called him saffron. Mm-hmm. Like, used saffron to stain glass in Milan's cathedral level of loved it. <laughs> so as a, a prank, uh, Valerio mixed some uh, saffron coloring with rice. He used saffron to color the rice. And turns out it was delicious. This probably didn't happen, but it is very, very popular story that mm-hmm. gets told a lot. 
Um, until the 17th century, records suggest that rice in Italy was eaten pretty plainly, um, boiled in water, perhaps even sweetened. It doesn't mean that there were no variations, but kind of the baseline was pretty plain. In the 15th century, a Milanese chef named Maestro Martino included a recipe for rice boiled in meat broth with eggs added in at the end of the process in his book, The Art of Cooking. So that could be one of risotto's predecessors. In 1779, we see the first indications that people were eating rice sautéed with butter and served with broth, sometimes with a chopped onion, on a wider scale. In 1809, the first known recipe for riso giallo in Padella appeared in a cookbook. And this stuff sounds so delicious. It's rice, sautéed in beef, broth, marrow, butter, onion, and then served with saffron-infused broth. Oh. 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 It isn't until 1929 that Chef Felice Luraski out of Milan named it Risotto alla Milanese Giallo. His specific recipe called for Violone Nano, or Conaroli rice, onion, butter, Parmesan cheese, white wine, marrow, salt, broth, and saffron. Ugh, oh, I think so that bone marrow has to be the ingredient that my risotto has been missing, and I never even knew it. But, I mean, of course, it should be in there. It's meat butter. It's so good. Of course. Oh, well, oh. now, next time you make it. Oh, yeah. now all I need to do is get my hands on some bone marrow. Cool. Easy right now. Yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Very simple. <laughs> and this is a really famous, well-known uh, type mm-hmm. of risotto. Yeah. All right, now we got to talk about fascism. Oh, cool. Because you never know where the, rest <laughs> yeah. of the research will take you. Love it. All right, so... During fascist rule in Italy, the government attempted to make risotto the national dish. As part of that, a national rice board was formed with the main goal of getting people to eat more rice. They released pamphlets with wonderful, simple names like Rice is Health and Eat Rice. (laughs) Rice was a staple at mess halls and schools as a part of this. Um, And there were economic motivations behind this push, but also uh, not-so-great ideological reasons. So, okay, there, there was, at the time, this futurist movement founded by Italian poet Filippo Tommaso Marinita. Basically, they promoted giving up the old ways and embracing modernity. And this was the rabbit hole, another rabbit hole I really had to shut myself off from because I had never... I probably heard of it, but I didn't know much about it. But this guy, very eccentric, shall we say. This idea came to him after he almost hit two people on their bikes while he was in a car or something. And he thought, bikes must go. (laughs) Uh, Only cars now. (laughs) Um, And also, just to, to make it clear, when we talk about futurism today, that's a different thing. Yes. Or largely a different thing. There are some connections, but it's not really what we're talking about here. So, all right. Anyway, this Italian futurist movement crafted the idea of the, quote, fascist man. And this was a hyper-masculine, aggressive, energetic, and violent man. And to be clear, this is something Marinita believed men should strive for, that that was a good thing. And he thought women were too effeminate to keep up with the change that the futurist movement proposed. Oh, All right, so there's that. But pasta got all wrapped in this, too. Um, Marinita blamed pasta for, quote, sluggishness, 
pessimism, passivity, and neutralism of Italians. A 1931 futurist manifesto went as far as to call for the abolition of pasta completely because they thought that pasta couldn't keep up with modern life, or it couldn't give you the energy that you needed to keep up with modern life. All right. In its place, they suggested rice and risotto, and and specifically rice grown in Italy. Um, And there's another pamphlet that included recipes swapping out the pasta of dishes like bolognese for rice. So just getting rid of pasta completely, whatever recipes you know that have pasta in it, switch it out for rice. So that was the whole thing. And then, in 1948, there was a film called Rizzo Amaro, or Bitter Rice, and this was a documentary detailing deplorable conditions of the workers of Italy's rice paddies. Two years later, uh, because this was a really impactful film, it even got nominated for an Academy Award, Um, a market research institute conducted a survey all across the country to see if the film had changed people's attitudes around rice. And while several respondents did cite the film as turning them off of rice, it didn't seem to impact their rate of consumption Hmm. that much. Like, they'd be like, yeah, I don't like it as much. Makes me feel bad, but I'll still eat it, sort of. Huh. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, uh, risotto was one of those dishes that um, didn't make it very far out of Italy, certainly not over to um, to the United States until probably the 1980s, like the late 1980s, uh, along with the um, so some of the some of the wider uh, cultural food movements that were happening around here at the time. Um, uh, I think when it started to really show up in force in restaurants was around 1989. Um, so I, I would say that we are currently living in in a uh, a renaissance of risotto here in the U.S. where we started to grow grains in, in California that are very similar to those grown in northern Italy that can be used for it. And yeah, it's it's more much more widely available. And Seinfeld in oh, 1993. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Definitely brought it into my <laughs> cultural <laughs> awareness and knowledge. And I, it was the whole reason I tried it. So... I mean, to be fair, if anyone's seen that episode, you probably know why. But it was it was a very uh, sung the praises of it for sure. It did, it did. It was a very positive portrayal of its effect on people. Yes, absolutely <laughs> agree. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently now there are restaurants in New York that have sixteen different types. So, oh. yeah. And speaking of that, we're totally going to read that listener mail. Oh yeah. Uh, But first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Balboa Park. Give me a woo. Woo. 
Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here. Right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles. Ready for next day installation. And all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Like that. I yeah. imagine that's what a warm bowl of risotto would feel like right now. It's like a like a like a big hug. Yeah, like a relaxing, warm hug. Mm-hmm. That's where I get my hugs from these days. From hell, from, <laughs> from my food and my uh, bumblebee pillow pet that oh. Lauren has seen in many meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Those Her name is com- Ruby. Ruby. Oh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but my little brother calls her Rudy because she also has a big red nose. So like Rudolph. Red so Rudolph. Red. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, all forms of hugs are are valid and accepted. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so Emerald, <laughs> the inspiration for this episode, she wrote, "I have been listening to the show since last summer, and I adore it. Oh, thank you." And I've had some time to catch up on episodes, especially while I cook, which brings me to my biggest craving during this quarantine, risotto. A little background, I was a server at a restaurant called Risottoria Malati, and yes, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a small hole-in-the-wall place that has a menu comprised of 16 to 20 different types of risotto. It was my first time experiencing risotto, and since then, I cannot look at the dish the same way again. Now, because I live in Brooklyn, they would be outside of my delivery radius, and I do not believe they're currently open. So today, I followed the influence of Julia Child and took the plunge to make it myself. The rice traditionally used is arborio, so of course, it is not stocked regularly at Trader Joe's, where I usually do my shopping. I had to plan a special trip, or should I say quest, to (laughs) Whole Foods just to get it. Since we're in a pandemic, I was lucky they had rice at all, but the only short grain rice they had available was brown rice. I had officially doomed myself to hours of stirring and ladling hot vegetable stock into the pan. In the restaurant, they pre-cook the rice, so it takes only 10 minutes to make a plate. My endeavor took me the entirety of your episodes on the Collins and flaxseed. However, and I couldn't believe it, I made it almost as good as the restaurant. Congratulations! The rice was slightly undercooked, but for a first-time risotto chef, I count it as a win. I've included pics of the process and execution. It is pancetta and asparagus risotto with Parmesan garlic and onion. 
please ignore my messy stovetop. <laughs> you would probably find risotto to be an interesting topic for an episode. We did. Everyone in their Nona will have different opinions on how to make it. Oh, I have contacts in Verona, Italy, who would be ecstatic to talk your ear off about their rice farm and risotteria malati. Savor a field trip to Italy? Oh. And you forever in New York after the plague lifts, I'd be happy to take you both out for risotto. That all sounds so good. Oh all my of it. gosh. Yes. Yes, I our our huh, our list of travel plans is really only increasing. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's quite long, but I would very much love to go to Italy and try some risotto. Yes. Oh, and, and talk, talk to, to some people. rice farmers. Oh, so much, so much, so. Oh, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, also, Taylor wrote. When I was 15, I pulled a final act that made my grandmother and my mom follow through with their promise of sending me to reform school over the summer. Being a tomboy, the thought of six weeks at a camp where I was taught proper manners, sewing, conversation, and all other proper lady trappings made me angry. There was no getting out of it, no matter how much I pleaded with my mom, and I spent six sullen weeks away. I got back in time for my 16th birthday, and my dad, trying to mend some bridges, asked me where I wanted to go. Still quite miffed about being forced to be proper, I picked the only place I could think of to exact my revenge. Medieval times. <laughs> Fine. You want to send me away to learn manners? Then we're going to eat with our hands for my birthday. Ha. My dad, my biggest conspirator, knowingly smiled and winked, saying, let's wait and surprise your mom when we get there. We pulled up to the grand castle facade, and I have never seen my mom so angry. After a tour of the torture museum and some comments of, huh, no sending a kid away to reform school, my mom loosened up and admitted defeat for one night only. Little did she know that at reform school, the one piece of information that I found interesting was that asparagus is the only food that is proper to eat with your hands. Apparently, it was too hard to get the whole spears onto the tines of a fork, so it was more graceful for ladies to nimbly munch with their hands. For a solid week straight, I requested asparagus for dinner. Nothing but asparagus. To this day, if we eat asparagus, my mom groans because she knows she can't stop me. From eating with my hands. <laughs> that is an excellent revenge story. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Food revenge. I love it. And so medieval good. times in there. Right. Oh, I mean, that was a perfect, <laughs> perfect idea. <laughs> Excellently executed. <laughs> yes. Oh, heck. And I didn't know that about asparagus. Yeah, I mean, that didn't come up in my research. But then again, I, I'm very rarely looking for manners-related content. Um, I'm mm. always delighted when it comes up because it always seems completely wacky to me. Yeah. I never, if y'all couldn't tell about me, I like never went to finishing school or nothing like that. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? No, never had a cotillion. None of none none of that noise. Um, mm. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very foreign and fascinating world to me. Um and I'm glad I'm glad that you came out the other side with nothing but ire. <laughs> <laughs> and uh excellent revenge schemes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Always good. Well, thanks to both of them for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. 
Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.